Have you ever wondered how the separate threads of your life fit in to one big picture? How the individual moments of challenge and triumph connect to one another to form the great meaning of your life? I am Anna Mullins, your Life Story Editor, and I'm convinced that making sense of our deepest pain can help us understand our deepest purpose. In my speaker training program and on this podcast, I help people weave together those confusing, often shameful pieces of their past, revealing the life-changing lessons that create their profound new story. Welcome to Unapologetic Stories, where secrets are out and the truth is in. Welcome back, storytellers. We are in for such a treat today because my guest, Becky Van Drunen, is just so much fun. That's it. That's all I'm going to say about you. You're so much fun. Um, But she is so many other things, and I wanted to share those things with you. She is the author of a brand new 90s music-infused cookbook called Playlist Kitchen, upbeat recipes, and the music that brought them to life. We're going to talk all about this book today. She is also the accomplished owner and lead culinary designer behind the award-winning freezer meal prep company called Basil and Bacon, which provides food delivery and workshops and education to busy families across the lower mainland of BC, where we are. Uh, But she's also a classically trained pianist and vocalist. She is the senior leader at Canada's largest music company. And maybe most of all, uh, most fun, I should say, she's a recent graduate of the Unapologetic Speaker Training Program. And when she's not cooking up a number one hit, you can find Becky dancing around the table with her two daughters, helping bring 90s fashion back to life, I can attest to that, and laughing with her very good friends, of which I am proud to say I am one. Did that make sense? No. I'm proud to say I'm one of Becky's laughing friends. Laughter friends? I'm her <laughs> that friend. Makes sense. I'm Becky's friend, goodness, and clearly I'm, I'm very, very proud of that because I've now said it three times in a row in different ways. Becky, my friend, that's four times, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Anna. And that's a hard mutual times four. Yes, we are friends. Um, <laughs> I am very happy to be here and very happy to have you in my in my space regularly. Yeah, the, the regular space where we do all this laughing. So let's just start with what what probably is the most important question of all. Have I completely and totally oversold and overstated our friendship? No, not you actually undersold it, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm being honest. Just totally undersold the yeah. friendship. Yeah. <laughs> So we've known each other for like uh, for several years and this is kind of fun for you and I, I think because we've been in what I would say is each other's like periphery. Like there's totally. these like mutual connections and we seem to like know a lot of the same people. We've worked with a lot of the same people. But then this past year, it was truly like the pandemic mm-hmm. that that brought us together. I'm going to use that romantic terminology (laughs) that really brought us together truly. And I think I I don't even really know exactly how it's through mutual friends, but there was one point about, oh, probably a year ago now when we had the lockdown and then the lockdown opened up and we were allowed to gather in small groups again, we quite literally like got in a car, drove to a home in Kelowna and stayed there and really Mm -hmm had this vacation together where we got to know each other during the pandemic. Yeah. And I think it was the first time we had really ever been in the same room, which was hilarious. We went from basically text friends to uh, besties who spent day and night together for four (laughs) days, which was, it's actually kind of the best way to become friends with someone. So I dig it. And then it was it was awesome. It was my favorite, uh, actually, pandemic time, if I'm being honest. It was so much fun. We did all of that laughing that we talked about, all the dancing around tables, all of the singing late into the night, singing Celine Dion at the top of our lungs at probably two in the morning. <laughs> it was Whitney oh. Houston, actually. Or Whitney Houston. What? <laughs> yes. Which which star did we try to emulate at 2 a.m. at this point? It was which star Houston. didn't we? That's a better question. (laughs) Which star didn't we? Yeah, so we had this moment. It's really kind of like, uh, I think, brought obviously our friendship together. 
but now it kind of has inspired this whole world for you, which was you joined the speaker training program shortly mm-hmm. thereafter. Mm-hmm. We went through your personal story. We're going to dig in on that a little bit today. But that personal story was really the foundation for your book, which mm-hmm. is the big news right now is this book that was just released for pre-sale two days ago. Yeah. Very exciting. On May 3rd. May 3rd. I mean, it is now May 5th in, in magic land. We're recording a little earlier than that, but it is May 5th. So two days ago on May 3rd, your book was released. So let's just start there. Tell us about this book. Okay. So, you know, Playlist Kitchen, I call it the soundtrack to joy and to my joy, because that's really what it is. Um, It is a 90s infused music cookbook, like you said. Um, It's all of my favorite meals, my favorite music from the 90s, and a whole bunch of stories um, that I love to tell over and over again. Uh, And yeah, it's it's all of me. It's probably one of the most unique cookbooks you're going to come across, but it's a ton of fun and uh, I, I can't wait to share it. Oh, and every uh, recipe also has a playlist, hence Playlist Kitchen. So as you're going through and cooking, um, my hope is that you'll sort of feel the same joy that I have when I'm cooking and listening to music and dancing, uh, and that you will um, connect with the playlist on Spotify and um, join me in that joy too. I love this. And we've we've casually referred to this cookbook as well as like the mashup. It's like the mashup of all the things that you love because it is quite unusual, actually, which makes it so unique and interesting that it isn't like a regular cookbook. You don't just pick it up, know what that general theme is of that cookbook and cook that type of food in your kitchen. This is like we want to make this an experience in some way. Yeah, exactly. And so one of the, the special things about Playlist Kitchen for me is that it's the first project I've ever done, and I've done a lot of things, um, but it's the first project that I've ever done that has brought together um, all of my favorite parts of myself <laughs> into mm-hmm. one place. And um, that means it's, uh, it's, it's just the, the, it's the most fun I've ever had, and it's the most Becky sort of experience that I can, <laughs> that I can provide to you without actually being in the room with you, <laughs> which, is, which is kind of fun. The other thing is to, you know, I hope that it, It helps you to um, bring together some of your passions and things that maybe you thought weren't really related, like cooking and music, for example. You may not think of those things as being um, something that is related, but they come together quite naturally. Uh, And I always say like music plus meals equals magic. Uh, And I I think that you'll, you'll see that as you sort of cook through this book. Yeah, I love this. Music plus meals equals magic. And I I was going to offer something here, but I actually am going to turn this over to you. What is it specifically about music for you that has become magical? Why is it the magic of your life? Because it is for a lot of people. But for me, I didn't grow up playing like an instrument that wasn't part of my childhood at all. I just didn't have that technical skill. I was playing soccer and doing other kinds of things. Um, But I wonder for you, what makes that so magical? Yeah, so music for me is... I mean, it is my life and has been my life since I was very little. Um, I remember beginning piano lessons at, you know, four or five years old um, and then singing um, The Little Mermaid in my my living room shortly thereafter. And my parents sort of looked at each other like, oh, my goodness, she can <laughs> sing. Okay. So from there, I, you know, I started taking voice lessons. And and then from, from then on, you know, music was just part of my life. I was always involved in, in musicals and shows and recitals. And, um, you know, and then when it came time to choose what to do after high school and school, you know, I never even really questioned it. I just went into music. So I, I went to university and did a degree in music. Um, and, and so music sort of followed me and has followed me all the way through my life. So it's not even, um, you know, at this point, it's not even really a choice. It's just sort of the, well, literally the soundtrack to my life. I I have, I have a literal soundtrack. Um, And I'm sort of known for, um, if you ask me a story about any time in my life, the first thing that comes to mind usually is the music Hmm. that I associate with that. Before, before I even get into the story, I can say, you know, oh yeah, I was 14 and I was listening to this. And I can close my eyes and sort of picture it and know exactly where I was. So it's really, yeah, it's really, really interesting. Well, it's powerful too, as far as like emotional memory goes and emotional Mm -hmm. response to a situation and bringing up those memories. For you, music was really key 
to that. Mm -hmm. It was Mm -hmm. key. And I Mm -hmm. I wonder, like, I think for the uh, audience that's listening right now, if they're kind of wondering, why not just write a book about music then with this degree and with this passion for music and being brought up with music. And I didn't even know there was such a thing as a music degree, but here you actually have one. You're (laughs) working as as a senior leader in a music company why not just a book about music and how that invokes emotions? Like Mm -hmm. where did this kind of idea come to say, I'm also going to cook in this book? Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the things with, with music being alongside myself and my family, my whole life is I never really realized that it was there. Uh, And that kind of may seem a bit strange, but Mm. I just assumed that everyone's life um, was surrounded by music like mine was. And it wasn't until um, I was quite a bit older and even, you know, as an adult and being a parent um, that I realized that actually some people don't just burst into song in the middle of <laughs> conversations. And, um, and that's weird for me because that's been my whole life. So, so, so why didn't I just write a, a book about music? Because it, it never occurred to me. Um, it just never occurred to me. Um, and th- there was a point sort of as I entered motherhood and sort of the craziness of all that, that um, you know, a lot of the music, um, making music a priority really sort of fell off for me. I, I spent almost, you know, between five and 10 years, really not sitting down on a piano, not really doing much in terms of singing. And I sort of entered this stage of life where, um, things began to become compartmentalized a bit. So I was either mom in that box, or I was corporate Becky playing mm-hmm. the role at, at my job. Um, you know, or I was Basil and Bacon Becky running this business and cooking and being a food food person. And those boxes all sort of existed separately. And I kind of, I think I kind of put it that way because it was easier to explain myself to people when I could put myself in a box. You know, it's easier to say to someone, I'm a mom or I work in the corporate world or I, I'm an entrepreneur. And so I got really used to doing that and telling people, um, you know, these different compartmentalized parts of myself. And through that, the music Becky sort of, just disappeared. I, I stopped sort of using that as I stopped describing myself like that because it didn't really fit into any of those other boxes and it sort of just went away. And, um, you know, through, through the pandemic and through, um, the process of starting to write Playlist Kitchen, I started to realize how compartmentalized that was and, and how it really wasn't working for me. Um, and I began to, I think, subconsciously sort of search for a way to bring, to bring it all together. Mm. And, um, you know, in terms of within why not, why not just write a music book? Um, because I'm not just Becky who plays and sings. Um, so it doesn't make any sense. So I, I've always felt like I had a book in me and that I always wanted to write, but this is the first time I've ever been in a place where I authentically feel, um, like I can write, um, something that is like all of me. Right. Oh, so I love this. Yeah. yeah. I'm so, so, so glad I asked that question because yeah. I've just had like three separate kind of aha moments here as I'm listening to you talk about this and the ways in which, I mean, the first one that comes up to me is like, uh, motherhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I say that with like the sigh of mm-hmm. the big pandemic sigh. And I know we're coming up on mother's day here as well. So maybe this is a really good topic to touch on. Is there something that happens in that space when we become mothers, where we begin to forget who we were before we had children and families and mm-hmm. dinners to cook and homes to care for. We kind of lose a little part of ourself is what I'm hearing there. I, I think we to- lose a big, I think we lose a big part of ourselves, And I, I think yeah. in particular, in the age of social media and the pressures of like externally looking at what everyone else is doing, you know, we see people who define themselves and their identities are mothers. Mm. And I mean, certainly being a mom has always been a a dream of mine and it was a life goal for me. I always knew I would be a mom and I'm a wonderful mother and I love my children and I love being mom, but it was not ever an identity that I um, took ownership of. Um, exclusive of any of everything else. And, and when I did, I was really, really uncomfortable. Um, you know, when my girls were babies, I remember I got a necklace on it that just said mom. And I, like, I remember even in that, I felt like, oh, I should, I should put this necklace on that says mom, I should be mom. Like I should. And f- right from day one, it wasn't 
quote unquote enough. I don't want to say it wasn't enough because everyone has their own, you know, everyone's different, but it just never felt like, like my identity. And so, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, so I lost myself, I think, as a lot of us do in that sort of place. And I really had to be deliberate about, about looking around and saying like, okay, what other, what other, like, what, what did I used to be? What did I used to do? Um, that's so important. Yeah. And I, this, just that visual, like I really had, like my heart almost just stopped in that moment when you said you looked at that necklace with the word mom. Cause I, I, I mean, I have similar things. It's like mama and somebody gifted me at the Chopra center one time, a friend that I had met there bought a bracelet that symbolized mom and motherhood. Mm-hmm. And I remember I wore it like I loved it. It was gorgeous and beautiful, but I just kept thinking is there, what does this mean? What is mm-hmm. the, what is this without, like, where did Anna go? Even yeah. though, and I'm like you, either I dreamed about my children before I had them. Yeah. I still would like, I mean, if they would all just cuddle up with me in bed every night, I would be happy. I've got one out of two <laughs> that will do that. But like, that is, you know, it's such a big and integral part of my life, but there is this piece that falls away a little bit. And what I'm kind mm-hmm. of hearing from you is, there's this role at work, which yes, has something to do with your passion for music, uh, obviously, or you wouldn't Mm -hmm. end up being there in your degree program. And then you have this role of corporate kind of owner of basil and bacon, which is, we will talk about that a little bit later too, because you've started to develop food. And then you have this role of mom and it really almost feels like music and Becky were synonymous. Mm -hmm. Music music is Becky. And the loss is like the, or the thread that ties that all together is that without music, none of those things really come to life for you. Mm-hmm. That that's lit, and I've never thought about that, but that is really truly it. There isn't a me that exists ever in any space in my whole life that isn't connected um, very deeply with with music and singing mm-hmm. and song. And so, yeah, for for me, and I would I would even I would even say that over the last five years leading up to this, that's probably why I've been so. Um, I felt very, very inauthentic for the first time in my life. And I think it's because I didn't realize that that sort of like music bit of me had sort of slipped away and I had continued all the other things, being a mom and owning a business and working, you know, a corporate job, thinking that because they had been music and and me had been so synonymous, it never had to be intentional about it. And for the first time in my life, I had to be intentional about making sure it was here. Uh, and Ooh, that changed everything. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pause there. You had to be intentional about making sure that music showed up, which mm-hmm. really, I, I literally heard that as I had to be intentional about, uh, intentional about making myself show up, mm-hmm. about literally being here, like mm-hmm. me, Becky, literally being here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, wow. that's, yeah, that's true. It was a really big moment for me. Before I, I, I grew up in Alberta and in Calgary and Lethbridge, and I lived there for almost 25 years. And before I came here to BC, that was me. I was music Becky. I had, um, everything in my life had, had been that. And so those things were synonymous. That was definitely just a part of me. And when I moved here, I made a non-deliberate, but almost, I guess it, it feels a little deliberate now. Um, I made, uh, there was a bit of a reinvention that happened. And if you talk to the people that knew me when my children were very little and the people who I met in my first several years here, they would tell you that they didn't even know that I was a musician or that I could sing. I remember one of the the women from my baby group, I'd known her for six years and she had stumbled across one day. I sang a couple bars of something on Instagram uh, two years ago or something. And she messaged me and said, oh my gosh, what the heck was that? And it like occurred to me that, oh my God, like the, these people don't know, <laughs> these people don't know that I do this. Right. Yeah. And, and so again, it, that is all in line with, with sort of losing that part of myself with, with little kids. And, and again, how, because it had been so synonymous with my identity as it slipped away, I didn't know that it was going until it was gone. <laughs> um. And I can't, I mean, now I know that I, I can't really 
exist without it. So oh, yeah. I just love this. And it's, I mean, it's really multi-layered here, what we're talking about. Like there's so many things that are pulling through for me, mm-hmm. specifically this, as you say, you kind of like literally edited your life at some point and said, Mm-hmm. I'm just going to forget who I am. I'm going to put my pure focus on this mom title, this like mm-hmm. motherhood role. Mm-hmm. And not only do you lose yourself, but you now lose because that self is gone or because the music is gone. You're no longer then sharing your full self. You're no longer putting mm-hmm. music out into the world. Mm-hmm. And music could be, I mean, we can pull that word music out and I think swap it in for anything that the listeners are thinking about right now in yes. their own life. What is it that was intrinsic yes. to your identity yes. as a human being and yes. who you were and your understanding of who you are and what feels really like you're aligned with yourself? Wh- what went missing for you or what is currently missing for you? What is that thing? That's like the deeper dive here, right? What is that thing that's been missing? How do you then bring it back into your world and and in integrate it into all of these other roles but this really key piece that's just like almost shouting at me right now is like and at what point do you share that and how do you share that with other people so that not only do you notice that you're in alignment but that you are feeling seen fully Mm -hmm. and you're feeling really understood by whether it's your audience your followers or your people in your actual life your Mm -hmm. actual friends who are driving to Kelowna on a whim and (laughs) and singing at 2am and seeing like, I can guarantee that I saw you in those days. I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, we didn't stop singing. Like we were in the kitchen holding ladles to our mouth, like microphones and like, (laughs) and I mean, (laughs) there was some wine involved to inspire all the margaritas, I think. Yes. And we have some, some video evidence that we will never share. I'm sure of us like banging the table like drums and creating this very strange band in the midst of like you also cooking me dinner as well (laughs) I'll just put that out there you were also cooking and entertaining me which is basically this cookbook but um, in any case I'm completely rambling here but I just think the importance of really aligning with who you are and allowing Mm -hmm. that person to come through is what this book is. It's like, yes, I can cook. I'm a great cook. I have a whole corporation around food Mm -hmm. and great food. Mm -hmm. But if I'm not in this book, i.e. if music is not in this book, Mm -hmm. then it's not actually a complete representation of you as a project. And this cookbook feels for me like this is Becky living in your kitchen with you, singing singing into a ladle. And the only way I got to that place Um, I think we become so concerned with the way that, well, I know we become so concerned with the way that other people's view, view us or other people look at us or other people see us that we start to edit ourselves to become, uh, an easier to explain version. Right. And so for a long time, um, you know, I talk about, I don't know when it was, you know, maybe almost two years ago. Uh, a moment that I was running a basil and bacon workshop and doing my intro to a group of um, women around a table, talking a little bit about basil and bacon and what we were going to be doing and a little bit about myself. And I realized that the story that I had been telling about myself to these people was not even accurate at all anymore. I stood up and I said, I'm Becky and I own basil and bacon and I'm a mom and I do this because of this. And, and I, walked out of that workshop really considering whether I even wanted to run that business anymore because I had become so inauthentic with how I was showing up in there. There's one thing to lean on a, you know, different parts of ourselves, but it's quite another to completely um, create something that is just so different from the actual person you are. And so for, for a year and a half after that, I really, really struggled with, with what to even do because I couldn't figure out a way to move forward in that business as, as me. And it was really simple at the end of the day. It's, it's very simple in hindsight. I see how easy it was, but there was a, you know, ironically, Anna, I was listening to one of the podcasts that you had done on storytelling, shockingly, and about, (laughs) you said something, it was years ago and you said something to the effect of our stories are the stories we tell are not us uh, or we are not our stories, something to that effect. Mm. And when I heard that something 
something shifted for me and I got on Instagram and I bawled my face off and for the first time ever told that community who I actually was and who I had been pretending to be. And that was the first time I'd ever been vulnerable in any way in any public space. And that was the beginning of the shift for me where I said to myself, no more. Like Mm. either you start showing up as you and figure out what the hell that means or you got to stop showing up. And yeah. And so, and so I didn't know at the time that like without that moment, I would not have written Playlist Kitchen. Yeah. Because I had to give myself permission to like stop caring what everyone else would think or stop thinking about how I might explain myself to other people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so a really pivotal sort of shift, but it didn't happen overnight. I mean, that was, that was, I've lost track of time because the pandemic is like a. Uh, yeah. And I, did, you know what? I don't I'm even know what year this, it is. Like, flashback as you're talking about this. I actually do remember this moment. Mm-hmm. I remember this moment. Cause I think at the time I was like, wow, this is a, this is the response that I sort of hope for when I record podcasts, but everybody has a different translation and interpretation of what it means to them as they listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I remember this moment for you because you did show up in Basil and Bacon Instagram and you were saying, this is, I like, mm-hmm. I'm music. Yes, I'm yeah. food, but I'm also music. Like here yeah. I am. And nobody cared. Like that's the nobody thing is nobody cares. Like no. everyone sends hearts and they're like, good, cool. We support you. And like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you do? <laughs> and then I, and then I, I remember the first time, I mean, Anna, I have sung on stages my whole life yeah. and that doesn't scare me, but I remember the first time I recorded anything and put it out, um, to that community, that basil and bacon community and like hit, it was like really informal, like little thing I did on Instagram and I was terrified and like that in itself, the process of hitting like not send what the heck do you hit on Instagram to pub- publish I don't know what's the button <laughs> talking to like, the wrong person it's I'm my there. first day on social media <laughs> whatever it was that I hit to make that thing go out into the world that moment was really scary for me and um yeah anyway that, that whole that whole couple year period leading mm-hmm. up to the writing of Playlist Kitchen is the reason Playlist Kitchen exists yeah. And look at, I mean, even if I think about that model, which just for context for the listeners to Basil and Bacon, it's a freezer meal company, but it, it really had this integral like business. I can't even speak in integral part, which was these workshops where you would go into people's homes and mm-hmm. host a basil and bacon freezer meal workshop where you'd gather a, mostly women mm-hmm. together. I think mm-hmm. probably, I don't know if you had a male workshop or men workshop. They I had a few there, but few. never yeah. exclusively men. Very few. Yeah. So predominantly women, predominantly potentially mothers, if they're planning freezer meals, it's sure. usually something that they're planning for a family. And here you're standing in their kitchen as a mother who has to procedurally go through freezer meals. Mm-hmm right? Mm -hmm. And they are your audience. They're your followers. They're your listeners. They're watching and learning these workshops in order to kind of implement this stuff. You're not showing up authentically as yourself. The one time you do, I mean, I think logistically you could have probably just put some music on when you showed up in those workshops, but it was like, you just hadn't made that connection. No, I hadn't literally hadn't to the point where people would ask me what I did. I would get off a plane. I would be in Toronto all week for work. I would get off a plane and I would drive directly to the kitchen space that we have and I would pick up my stuff and I would go to someone's house do a workshop and they would say how are you what did you do today and I would say oh nothing and they say it must be so great to be home with your kids all day and I would say (laughs) yes I had just literally I was like it was it was crap but that's the role that I was playing and I just didn't I you know and how simple how simple um just to be honest. To be honest. But- and if you don't know, I mean, I say that kind of with like caution because it certainly is never in an intentional like lie. We're not showing up in any role, no. as you said, to be one version of ourselves or other. We're not trying to market ourselves in a certain way. It's just sometimes when you don't understand it, and as you say, it's hard to explain mm-hmm. for you. You're like, okay, so I'm also full-time working as a mm-hmm. senior leader in a music company. I'm flying all across the country 
managing teams of people, I then also have this side thing, which is basil and bacon, which is quite, I mean, it's, it's a big side thing. That was, that's no joke corporation no. Mm-hmm. that you're operating. And then also you're like, but then there's me kind of like hiding in here somewhere that wants yeah. to make sense of all this. Yeah. And one of the things we often talk about in speaker training, but I talk about here a lot is like, what is the thread that ties all of these stories together because we are not as you say we're not our stories we aren't the identity you aren't a senior leader at canada's music company that's just Mm -hmm. something you do Mm -hmm. that's that's a role you play it's an identity that we play and we have to you know play it in a a great way as if we're Mm -hmm. actors on stage Mm -hmm. but then there's this thread and that thread for lack of a better explanation is you you Mm -hmm. are the thread so when we don't know who we are we truly don't know who is you who is me Mm -hmm. then we don't know what the thread is either yeah there's no way to tie that together there's no No. way to explain it so you just as you say you keep it keep it simple like just tell them i'm at home making it's just easier to explain exactly you just don't want to get into it and you know i think one of the things when you talk about a thread for me like that just brings up something i've had so many conversations with my husband over the last year um, times that, well, you as well. I mean, you've been on the other end of, um, proverbial me standing on proverbial bridges, but, um, <laughs> yes, a lot of them. Yes. But myself included. yes, we've all been there, but you know, I think the first six months of the pandemic, I was obviously like all of us were mourning this life that we had created. And for me, I realized I had created a life that, um, really did a really great job at serving all the sort of parts of me. I had, I had all these different things that I did that each, each provided me with a different thing, all of which came together to make me quite a, quite a, you know, happy person. Mm -hmm. And of course, then all all of that was stripped away. And I actually, for six months thought, I really questioned everything because I thought, oh my gosh, do I actually even like my life because I have just created all these things to make me like my life. Do I even, you know, so I spent six months doing that. And then as, uh, the fall was coming up, I started to, again, I started to play music. I started to sing and sit down at the piano, um, create some mashups. I started, um, getting into the kitchen, um, and, you know, listening to more music. And I started to realize that I think for me, the thread is creating. Hmm. I don't think that it is um, I don't think that it's the work necessarily. I don't think that it's the business or, or my company. I think that, that it's the creating that I need to do in order to do all those other things. I think I don't exist without that sort of creative, that creative outlet. Hmm. And so building a business like basil and bacon actually has nothing to do with basil and bacon or, or running a business. It has everything to do with being able to create something, which I've been doing for, for seven years and, and recreating. And even with my other job, I'm constantly creating um, programs and and you know, stuff within that work, and then obviously with music, it's it's creative and cooking. That's you know just one more um, avenue for me in, in terms of creativity. And I love to cook, and I have for for a decade. Um, but um, you yeah. know through, through through the pandemic, that's been the thing that saved me is the is the creating, and that's what actually led to writing the cookbook. Is just this need to pull myself up from like the depths of, you know, pandemic despair somehow. And for me, that looked like making food and writing recipes and, mm. you know, all that, all that, the, the creative stuff. I love this. And create creativity. I mean, I, uh, have said before, it's like the essential, one of the essential elements of the soul, but this, it feels really powerful to me. You saying this is like, I am not these stories. I am just creativity. I am creation of whatever this, mm-hmm. any project really, as long as I explore the creative method, this is just such great advice for people out there listening. I think to really stop and examine the projects that they're working on, the businesses that they're in, what is it? What is the underlying core value mm-hmm. that lives underneath that? And for mm-hmm. you, I will say for sure, this is a beautiful segue into what I want to share with the audience too, is your Instagram account, because it is the definition of pure creativity. And it has taken on a new new life. Like as you crawl out, you tell Basil and Bacon, look, I'm I'm musical. I'm more than this. And you have this kind of teary moment on Instagram that everybody just flicks past and says, great. Congratulations, Becky, for (laughs) finding yourself. But now it has come to life 
not just as the cookbook, but on this account, which is so fun. It's so fun. It's Thank you. Dressing up like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. And I, I don't even know who. I mean, we've done Gwen right. Stefani, Janet Jackson. Yeah. Britney, a number of Britney. Yes. Britney, yeah. It's, lots it's of Britney because we love lots Britney. of Britney. Yeah. yeah. We're both nineties, teenagers in the nineties. So I appreciate yeah. that like so, so much, all of this music, but I want to know, uh, I'm going to kind of pivot to fun here a little bit because then mm-hmm. this is about nineties music specifically. What is it about nineties music for you? that not only ties into kind of your personal story and why it's important to you, but just talk to me, just talk to me about nineties music. I won't even pose as a question. Just go (laughs) for it on nineties music. Well, I mean, the the most obvious thing is every song relates to a thing, right? And I mean, I was a teenager in the nineties and in the late nineties. And um, for me, that time of my life was uh, a heck of a lot of fun. I had a wonderful group of friends. And so, you know, if I if you play me a song from the 90s, there's a very good chance I can tell you a 20-minute story about a great time I had. It's probably no different than you. I'm sure you could do the same thing. And so there's something, you know, um, what I learned preparing for your speaker training program there is that there there is like an actual brain thing happening there with like neural connections to music and memories. And the memories that we make during like joy-filled times in our life are like disproportionately um, connected to our emotions. So you know, the chemistry part of it there is that these, the music of the nineties is literally like, it is my joy. It is attached to just like the emotion of joy. So that's the first reason I love nineties music. The second reason I think is, you know, the music of the nineties was really special in that it was very um, prescriptive and very, there was a formula that was at play in nineties music that really came to be, I mean, part of it was that there was a very small number of producers uh, and writers actually doing a lot of it. Um, and so there, there was a formula. I talk in the book about, um, I want it that way. I talk about how there's this formula in nineties music where the last line of the, the song is, is always the title of the song. And if you can think nineties, um. it is in every, every case. That's uh, interesting. I talk about like the, the beat of 90s music has to be like both slow and fast at the same time. So it has to be slow enough to like tap your heart, you know, emotionally through the music, but also fast enough to like do a choreographed chair dance at the same time. So it's this <laughs> and then really back to the slow dance moment and then go back to the slow dance mo- right. moment. Exactly. It has to be like the themes have to be grandiose enough to like include a helicopter or a jet ski at any moment but also like totally irrelevantly. (laughs) So, you know, there's something special about that. And then also, you know, it was a time before, you know, maybe Alanis Morris is an exception to this, but a time before we really cared about what artists were saying in their songs. Um, I think, I mean, certainly before that great songwriters existed, I'm not, I mean, there's a ton of great songwriters even through the nineties, but the majority of that pop music that I'm talking about, that like bubblegum pop stuff was less about what they were saying. And in, in a lot of cases, if you listen to the songs, they absolutely make no sense whatsoever. (laughs) Like most of them, like no, no sense, but it's kind of like, there's magic in that nonsense, right? It was just Mm. like, let's make it rhyme. Like, let's make it slow, fast. Let's bring some helicopters in. Like, let's have fun. And um, I have a lot of things to say, actually. And then the last thing I would I say, yeah, I, I love, so I love about, I appreciate an artist when they can play the character of the artist. I also appreciate an artist who can show up as themselves. Great. Mm. I won't negate that. But let's, let's take um, Britney Spears as an example. Britney Spears in the 90s, Okay. I like that Britney Spears can put on like a full red leather patent catsuit or grab a boa constrictor and get on a stage and play the role of Britney Spears and do a performance of Britney Spears and, and, and play that. And then probably step off the stage, take off her leather catsuit and put on her sweatpants and, or I mean, probably her like flared hip huggers, but um, whatever. <laughs> and <her peasant> top. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And walk into another, you know, or I love that like Mariah Carey can just walk into a room and turn on a fan and her hair just freaking blows in the wind mm-hmm. and that we're all just like, yeah, like that's her best life. But like, there's no, there's no, 
that's a character she's playing, right? Or, the or Janet Jackson. The yeah, Janet Jackson. She's putting on a she's putting on a performance. She's on stage. Like this isn't these aren't people coming up and showing you who they are. These aren't people showing up on stage saying like this is all of me and these are my feelings. No, these are people that have a calculated character and a performance that they're doing mm. that and we didn't accept or sorry expect anything more or less from them. And I think that that was a really special time in music where we just we just accepted what was and nobody tried to like look into why you're doing that or the reason behind the lyrics it just was yeah so here's my That's aha cool. moment from both of us who had pandemic meltdowns growing up in the 90s i totally understand why now because the music we were being fed was complete and utter nonsense with no lyrics that made any sense and giant <laughs> helicopters and boas so we don't understand we're like we're all the things all the time we don't know how to be not all of the things yes and separately we're also like we step into these characters constantly and we forget to really show up as ourselves because yeah. our favorite artists just slapped on the cat suit and we're like oh i guess that's what we have to do now totally so really what i'm getting at here is that we are absolutely and totally fucked up because of the 90s music <laughs> Probably. That's probably pretty much accurate. Um, but also in so much joy, because I agree that that time frame was, I mean, I, it's my favorite kind of music. Shocking. Shocking. It's my favorite kind of music. I love it. It's clearly yes. yours. What, just give me like, <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot. Like you put mm -hmm. people on the spot on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Top two albums of, let's go all time. Top oh two my God, Anna. You, <laughs> top two albums of all time. Jagged Little Pill, Alanis Morissette. Ditto. Oh, this is a controversial one. I don't know. <laughs> now I need to know. Well, I got to say Michael Jackson, Dangerous. Oh. There's yep. a nostalgia in that. I mean, if you want to take yep. that one out. Great album, though. Yeah, like just I mean for me it was like sit on the back seat of the car like with no seat belt and full size boombox in hand and yep jam to jam you know those were the days yeah uh I think I think if I had to choose iconically oh Anna I mean what was the because you love me album with Celine Dion oh what was that called yeah that was a great album too. falling for you Falling for yeah. You by Celine Dion. That's the first yeah. concert I ever saw. It changed my life. Oh. So I would have to say that. I mean, I can't. That's an impossible question. As you know, I make you answer it, but it's what's impossible. Your, what's your favorite song to sing? Do you have a favorite like party piece? Because you know what my party piece is now, thanks to our weekend trip to Kelowna last year, which is, I is, it, is it Aerosmith? <laughs> it's definitely Aerosmith. Yeah, I and thought I so. Just, I went for it. I can't even remember. Yeah, you went for it. That's Why? True. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that's definitely mm -hmm. my party piece. What? What? What is the title now that, because the listeners are going to say, which Aerosmith song? What bloody song did I sing? I don't remember what song it was. I'd have to bring out the it's video. It's the one from that, the Bruce Willis. Oh, song. I don't want to miss a thing. I don't want to miss a thing. From, yeah. Yes. I don't even know what my right. party piece song is. That yes. is really shameful. That's barely a party song. It's a quite depressing barely. party song. <laughs> it's incredibly depressing. It's and I wore a head to toe black outfit, I think, when I sang it. So it's okay. It's yeah. I, I played the character. Yeah, I, I would say like there are there is a Mariah album that I can sing every note song from beginning to end. Like, oh, that's an would I stand up on a stage and do it? Like, hell no. But will I sing it in the car full volume with the windows down? Absolutely. That's the one. Um, so so I would Mariah. say probably Mariah's like, yeah, my like turn it on. I can't not dance. I can't not sing if you put Mariah on. Ugh, I love that. Well, you did actually, just speaking of which, you did actually speak on stage or sing on stage for me for Unapologetically Her Yeah. in 2020, three days before we all had our pandemic meltdowns <laughs> and lost every role and identity we had ever played and had these like great personal revealings. Um, but you sang with my daughter. You sang yeah. Shallow. Yeah. Yeah. That was really cool. I came on stage or Sarah Nicole is yeah. actual name. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. And that was another like part of my, I mean, you didn't know this at the time, but that was very much in line with me sort of starting to move into um, the music aligned Becky. And that was actually the first time that um, in front of that community that I had ever been. Most of the people there that knew me as Basil Bacon Becky didn't know uh, were, were confused as to why I was standing up there with a microphone. So that was a little bit of a coming out for me also. So 
Oh, Whoa. I'm yeah. so glad that I played a role in that. Yeah, you didn't even know. I did not even you have know. Like, you have like this weird universe um, secret uh, side sidekick thing going on with me and you don't even realize yeah. it. I think I kind of manifested you into into existence. I'm just going to put that out there. I think <clears throat> I'm losing my, my voice. This is, this is my throat chakra closing over on emotional topics. This is like, but it's so true. It's like mm-hmm. we have been parallel in a way. Yeah. These kind of parallel lives in completely, utterly different parallel lives, but we are kind of raising the same age children. We both have two daughters. So we're mm-hmm. raising girls in mm-hmm. this world, which is big. We have these mutual friends, as you say. And I think, and we both, we both had simultaneous meltdowns in the <laughs> pandemic <laughs> as, as many mothers out there did. Yes. I'm kind of wondering, I almost want to ask the next question, which is like, what's next for us? But what does feel next for you personally? What feels next for Becky as somebody who loves 90s music, who is revealing herself in the pandemic, who's had all of these experiences? Mm-hmm. Where, where are you kind of taking this? Because I feel like you're on the precipice of something just pretty big. And genius. Yeah, I, I definitely think I'm like returning to like my place. Oh, I, I need some stages for sure. Like I'm feeling the need for the first time in like probably almost two decades to like get on a stage. I don't, I don't know what I want to do there. Um, you know, music is a thing um, that'll be part of it in some way, but I just, yeah, I, I, I just need to create more and I'm trying to lean into what that means. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And I'm going to say this on here so that I have accountability and now I'm terrified because this, I mean, I'm going to become a fucking incredible dancer is what I'm going to do. Yes. So I, I go on Instagram and dance like a, like a goof all the time. Um, <laughs> with I have absolutely zero dance skills. I'm just really, really good at editing. Um, so it looks like I know what I'm doing. But as I dance, I'm like filled with the same kind of joy that I'm filled with, um, you know, playing piano and cooking. And I... I, I need to, I need to do it. Like I, I'm very, very excited to do it. I need to take some classes and I need to get good for real, but like with, with people who just accept that, like, I'm not going to be a technical dancer, but I'm going to be like incredible at Britney Spears. Like, I just want to be great at that. This is, I could not seriously, I'm like stuttering. I could not actually love this more for you because (laughs) I think, I mean, I already think you're a great dancer. So this comes as a surprise that you think you're not, but, um, whoever's out there right now, what is your Instagram account? By the way, we've talked about it a few times so that people can find you and particularly those cool, like dance crews of people that are going through the same thing. And someone find me. I'm like, I just want to learn to like move to music in a way that like, I feel great about Okay, so they find uh, you at oh uh, at Becky Van Drunen, at Becky Van Drunen. So that's B E C K Y. I'm going to put it in the show notes anyway, and then Van Drunen is V A N D R U N E N. Did I get that right? It. You got yeah. it. I don't really have to spell things out in this day and age. I think you can just like click links. But if you <laughs> uh, are not scanning the show notes, go find at Becky Van Drunen. Yes. Uh, two days before this podcast is being released, you're also having your book launch release or you had it again, the magic of time and space and podcast recordings. Uh, You will have already had this beautiful book launch on May 3rd. Mm -hmm. Um, How can people find your presale? How can they buy this cookbook right now? Yeah, sure. So I have a website, beckyvandrunen.com, and you can go there and uh, you can buy the book right there. Um, We will ship it right to you, or if you're local, you can uh, come and pick it up. That's fine too. Uh, And we hope to have it available at some local retailers, uh, you know, coming into the summer and eventually uh, on Amazon as well. So um, yeah, beckyvandrunen.com. Perfect. And I started off this podcast saying how fun you are. So I will end this conversation saying, well, first of all, what a fun conversation that was. We went yeah, all over thank the place, you. nice and deep and all kinds of good stuff. Um, but also just reminding people that are listening that I've seen this cookbook. I've like been so fortunate to see kind of like the inner workings of this process uh, with the self-publishing agency as well and working with Becky separately. This is a fun book. This is really fun. It looks mm-hmm. fun. It feels fun. The colors are fun. Who's your designer? Because she just nailed it. Oh, she's incredible. Uh, her name is Jasmine Welch from Fleck Creative. She's just nailed it in terms of the nailed interior. It. It's so it's good. Gorgeous. And it's 
pop fun. It is, it will remind you of the nineties, but also so many other decades, like of just fun musical mm-hmm. neonness. It's and the food, like truly, I always talk about the music and I go on and on and on, but like, I promise you the food's delicious. I forced Anna to, to eat a bunch while I was doing the photography, but the food is <laughs> you didn't uh, have to force me i was like send whatever <laughs> it was like the best week of my life i got fed oh thank you piles of beautiful meals like and your totally. husband was delivering them to my door like i was some kind of celebrity <laughs> it was awesome yeah it's it's good and it's yeah t- 10 years of my favorite stuff that i make all the time for real in my kitchen it's not hard stuff it's it's just good easy to make food Yeah, I love this. And the magic of just community coming together, not only Jasmine for the design, Bianca, your editor has just like worked wonders on a lot of the words I sent over that were all scrappy and like lots of periods (laughs) and short sentences and things that I like to talk with a lot of impact as do you. Yes. Um, And then of course, like the self-publishing agency and you and me and our really cool group of friends who has really supported this, like- this has been just a, just the funnest project to work on seriously. And I do hope that this book ends up in so many people's kitchens and for so many reasons, not just the delicious food, which I've had the opportunity to taste on several occasions and the amazing playlist, which we've talked about a little bit. Um, But just for like, I don't know, this reminder, I guess, of all the different parts of who we are. And if I speak with Mother's Day coming up, speaking specifically to mothers or anybody out there listening who wants a gift for a mom, this year has really been hard Mm -hmm. for moms. Like I can't even say that without tearing up. Holy Mm -hmm. moly. This has been really hard. And to bring something into their kitchen that brings them this joy that reminds them that they are more than the roles they play or potentially the jobs that they've lost this mm-hmm. last year, that identity mm-hmm. where they've had to remake themselves, what a beautiful gift that is from you mm-hmm. to even mothers this time of year or any time of year, frankly. And this is cookbook is not niched out to moms. It is for anybody and everybody who loves food and music and yep. being in the kitchen. Um, but I just wanted to say what a beautiful gift that you could add. Thank you. And I, I hope it inspires people. You know, my soundtrack may not be the same as yours, um, but I hope it inspires people to you know, to, to turn on the music that brings you joy while you're doing other stuff because, um, yeah, it's been life-changing for me to be able to turn music back on and have it happen uh, alongside cooking. So that is such an incredible way to end this. Thank you so much, Becky, for being here. I know you have lots of stories. Read them in the book. I was going to ask you a few, but I'm like, no, go in the book, buy the book, read those cool stories, like running into Justin Timberlake in a Zeller's aisle and things of that nature. So Go buy the book and thank you for sharing so many parts of yourself, this mashup today with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining this edit of the Unapologetic Stories podcast. If you're ready to share your truth and rewrite your personal life story, connect with me at unapologeticstories.com for all the details on speaker training, storytelling, and strategizing your way through this one big life. If you've enjoyed listening, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast listening app or Apple Podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Unapologetic Anna for new speaker training start dates. Until next time, stay brave, stay unapologetic, and keep bringing in your truth.